This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. You hit a button and the show begins. All the magic comes from there. Man, I am so excited to introduce you to the guest today. Um, he's a fellow forum mate, friend of mine, um, EO member. He is a fantastic business owner, CEO, leader, uh, serial entrepreneur, really. Um, can't wait to learn from him today. Realtor, philanthropist, and as I said already, friend, CEO of Rovi Homes, Steve Rovithis. Welcome, sir. Hello, hello. Excited to be on. Yeah, man. Well, hey, we, you know, we've been hanging out. We just went to DC Nerve and now we're here on the podcast. So, so tell me, man, smash for me this myth. What, what's a common misconception about leadership or being an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think for me, um, especially early in my career, would have been around making mistakes. And I didn't realize how valuable it is uh, for entrepreneurs to be okay with that. You know, I think I got, and maybe it's even the school systems are kind of, you know, you make mistakes, you get bad grades. That's not necessarily a great thing. But in, in business, you know, I think making mistakes are uh, critical because, I mean, in my mind, the key to entrepreneurship is innovation. You're either going to innovate or you're going to die. And the only way that you're going to innovate is, is you're going to iterate, right? And as you iterate, there's failures every step of the way, no matter what you're doing. Um, very few people are going to get it right, you know, the first time around. So I think it just took me a little while to get just comfortable with the amount of mistakes, you know, I, I put myself right up uh, at, at the top of the list for the amount of mistakes that I've made uh, in the different ventures that I've either you know, started, continue to run, no longer run. There's been a lot of mistakes in there. So, but uh, I'm proud of it. I think it's made me who I am today. And I love that. The only way to innovate is to iterate. That's brilliant. Write it put down. That, put that bad boy on a wall. <laughs> Sign your name underneath it. Well, well, why do you, you mentioned school too. Why do you, why do we have this in our heads that you can't mess up? You can't mess up. It's very interesting. And, and um, you know, I think some of these systems are kind of going away from grades and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, you know, fortunately, I think for the mass uh, school system, you, you know, I don't know that you're ever going to get rid of grades, but there's definitely you know, a lot of new school out there that grades aren't as important, you know, for me. Um, I don't think I'm going to hold my kids as accountable to grades. For me, it's effort, um, and trying to figure out what you love and, and going deep in those places. I, I just remember sitting in school and, and I was a good student. I'm not, I feel like the typical CEO is like, I was terrible and I dropped out and I started this business. I mean, that, that's not me at all. Uh, I did very well in school. I did very well, you know, uh, with college education. Um, but I worked hard, almost like I didn't want to let myself down. Um, and I realized, you know, looking back now, like, I think I'd still be who I am today. If I was getting C's instead of A's, it's just, are you paying attention? Are you doing something that you love? Can you dig into it and, and really start to get, you know, uh, the finite details, uh, in a couple of different areas of your life. Are you paying attention doing something you love, uh, and moving away from grades, you know, what's interesting. I. I thought I was an okay student and I just, you know, got a bad rap on chemistry in high school. Right. And probably cause I was having more fun than, than, uh, balancing out those electrons. But when I, I found my transcript from school and I was not nearly 
I, I, I kind of Steve Jobs that whole experience. I was like, it was an okay experience. No, no, I, I was what you just described. I was not a very good student. Somehow, some way I made it through, but you're right. I think there, there should be some other kind of measurement. Hey, but you know, I, I earned that whatever terrible grade it was, but I, you're right. There's some kind of thing where the school, it was almost a means to an ends of finding, like you said, something you love or the, the thing that you can pursue in the future. What, it, what, what is it about that? Yeah, I, th I think if schools could focus more on that and getting kids to try different things, you know, I feel like we just got forced the agenda. You knew you were going to take your history class and then you're taking your math class and you're taking your science class and you just kind of went through the motions. And I remember there being a few electives that I could pick and choose, but not much. They're kind of telling you, you know, and I think that's where the, the, the education system just needs to evolve. There's so many different ways to learn. Um, you know, I, there's a lot that comes out of school besides, you know, learning facts and figures, you know, there's the social aspect and stuff like that. But I, I think we've got to get into this place where you go into a class and it's structured, but you get a lot more to pick from, you know, and get kids interested in just testing things. Um, you know, if I could say anything that I wish I had done a little bit more, it'd probably be just to test out a bunch of different areas. Um, and I tried to go down that path. I went into a, a consulting gig, um, and, uh, my goal was to, you know, get exposed to different industries there. But even there, I, I was in one industry for two years. I got in the insurance track and I just, that's kind of where I was. So I, I, that's the most important thing I think is you know, find what you love. And even if you think you know what you love, try some other things and see if you come back to it. You know, you get a lot of time when you're young. Yeah. So you extrapolating that to now, you know, how do you learn now? So do you a, learn? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, you know, I, I read more and in, in podcast more than I could ever imagine, you know, yeah. I, for, for as well as I did in school, man, I hated reading. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what it was. I just, I remember my parents trying to get me to read and it just never, unless it was like a sports book or something, I just didn't want to uh, dive in. And today for me, you know, um, I don't know, it's at least a, a book a month, um, plus podcasts on top of that. I kind of use podcasts as a little meditative, go for a walk, throw a podcast on it. It's something that I'm trying to uh, go a little bit deeper on, you know, and, and I think that's the way I'm trying to shift now is go really deep on certain areas. I think I started my career out just reading as many business books as I could. Um, and now I'm just trying to go deep, whether it's, Hey, we're going to go focus on culture and leadership, or we're going to go deep on marketing. So that's where I'm really trying to get a little bit better. Say, Hey, here's a couple areas where I'm not as strong. Let's go deep and try and read a bunch of topics on that in the next quarter and really understand marketing for the next 90 days. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of that T-shaped career path. You know, the idea of having, you know, the, the bar on top is the wide, you know, knowledge, there's some knowledge on a little bit of everything related to what you do. But then that T, that, that long length from the T is something that you are passionate about, but also really good at. Yeah. And, and the beauty for me is, you know, being an entrepreneur that you can kind of shift your focus and go, all right, we went deep there. We instituted some systems and some processes. I think we're solid. Let's go look at another area. And then you can start to get jazzed up about that part of the business, you know? So 
sometimes I think for entrepreneurs, maybe you can get bored if it's the same stuff every day. And so you're trying to feel out and do different things. And that's one way to maybe reinvigorate yourself within your business is to just go deeper on, on one of those silos within your business. Right. Right. Interesting. Now to kind of tie it all back to that beautiful quote that it will end up on your wall one day, uh, innovating from, from iterating. Do you have any best practices? How do you, do you give yourself permission to iterate and do you have any intentional things you do when you're, when you're testing something out, when you're trying something new so that you don't drive yourself crazy, but you also move forward? You know, I think kind of putting some smart people around me has helped. Um, Previous to where I'm at now, I think I would go to a conference or I would read a book. I'd come up with a concept and then come back uh, or, or show up to work the next day and, and go ahead and institute whatever I had just read, learned, whatever. And I think we're just slowing it down a little bit and going, hey, heard about this concept, you know, talk to the COO. How do you think that's going to affect our business? Talk to the recruiting department. How's it going to affect our business? Talk to the training department. You know, so instead of just saying, Hey, we're going to go ahead and do this. Let's just slow it down a little bit. So that might help us to make, not quite make as many mistakes. It's not going to eliminate them. You know, we're still going to have to then try it for 30, 60, 90 days before we can really know, Hey, is this working? And some of the things are going to be even longer than that. You might have to try something for six to, to 12 months before you're really going to get a feel for, hey, you know, is this actually working? Yeah. So I think just making sure you got some, some strong KPIs around whatever you're trying to implement that, you know, hey, this is how we're going to decide if this was a winner or not versus we're just going to feel if it was a winner or not. I love that. You know, one of the groups I'm working with right now, one of the initial questions they're trying to solve is just what does success look like? If you don't have the metrics to show that it, it doesn't really matter. It's like that age old Cheshire cat, you know, which, which way should I go? Well, what, where are you trying to get to? I don't really care. Well, then it doesn't really matter which way you go. Uh, so if you don't have that end goal in mind with the strong KPIs, then nothing yeah. else really matters. So understanding what success looks like, is this good? Is 20% good? Is 105 a month good? Like what, what is good? So you can start tracking toward it. Yeah. And I think early it's like, I would struggle with the, with the KPIs. I'm like, you know, what is good? Hey, let's for 30 days. I think this is good. Let's see where we're at in 30 days. Right. And then maybe we readjust. Maybe good is really double what we originally thought, or maybe good is half of what we thought. But pick something in March. Pick, pick something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the slow it down that you mentioned is interesting as well, because it's always that the innovation, that change, that CEO, we're just pushing, pushing. And the idea of slowing it down, I remember, you, know, you remember, I think we were, you were with me. <laughs> okay. Dinner. We we're having dinner. We should share this with people. We're having dinner and uh, there's a group of us. And, um, you know, when you have a group out, you're like, just want to get some apps on the table. Right. So we got some drinks. We got some apps on the table and then we had enough people. It's like eight people that I, I thought, okay, you know what? Let's, and I looked at the apps. There's probably about eight apps and they're like little small things. I just told the waitress, you know what? Just bring one of each of those, call it a day. And yeah. someone in our group was like, hold on a second. Don't do that. Uh, we shouldn't do that. And so I just got frustrated. And I was like, well, fine, dude, separate your checkout, you know, sit, sit at the kid table if you want. Um, now there, there's value to him saying just like, 
hold on, what, what's going on? And, you know, do we have enough for everyone? Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> but, but then you order it once you, you're con you've confirmed it. But there was that tension between like, let's go and just, ah, well, is this the right thing to do? Yeah, maybe somebody doesn't like the third one and the last. So like, maybe. Maybe. But maybe that's going to be the best theater. I don't know. Right. And maybe yeah, I'll so. eat that one then. Uh, maybe. So yeah. how, what was that like sitting next to me? Because you were literally right next to me when that was happening. So, I mean, for me, it's, you know, maybe I don't slow down as much as I think because that's exactly how I would have rolled. Like, hey, yeah. we got enough people. Let's get it out there. And then the diversity, too. That's talking about trying different things, you know, whether it's in business or for me, for food, I like it the same way. How do you, how do you know whether you're going to like it or whatever, you know, I'm dealing with this with my kids. They don't want to try anything, you know, and occasionally when you get them to try something and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, literally I just got my son to put syrup on his pancakes, which to me would be like, how can you eat pancakes without syrup? Right. He would not do it. Would not do it. He put it on there. He's like, wow, these things to me. Yeah. No kidding. You know, but sometimes you have these things in business where you're like, I don't think that's going to work. Or and somebody else is in your ear. Wow. We did it to work. I don't know. And you know, you could, two years later, you're coming back, uh, just try it. And you're like, well, it's actually pretty good. You know? So yeah. it, it, it's, it's very similar where you just don't know until you try these things out. And, um, yeah, I think it's such, it definitely for me, a misconception that, oh my God, you make one of these wrong moves and you're, you're going to go out of business. You know, I think there's very few decisions and, and obviously there are some out there. You could make a really bad decision, you know, go in a really bad direction or something and you could go out of business for sure. We've seen, you know, thousands of examples of, of that across, whether it's small business or, or big business. Um, and the, you know, the block, blockbuster Netflix thing always is just in the back of my head, you know, bad decision, uh, out of business. But for the now, real quick, was, was that, was that not making decision or was that making decision? Well, what was yeah. Netflix to you? Um, I think that's not making a decision because that's, Hey, let's try this. These guys are coming to us. This is, you know, something that's coming down the road and it's going, nah, that's never going to work. Just try it. And yeah, if, you know, I think, and they were just unwilling to try. So I think had they tried and they would have seen and given it some time, you know, get some KPIs around it. Maybe they would have been okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't you know. know for, but for those listening, you know, Blockbuster had the opportunity to purchase Netflix. I believe it was twice. Um, and they were, and they, not only did they poo poo it, but the rumor on the street is that they actually were kind of like a little indignant and they were like, yeah, this will never work. You know, <laughs> it was like, Ooh, yeah, it's tough. Um, but yeah, you just need, need to try it. Um, and you know, it's kind of like the pancake. So if the pancake is good and kudos to whoever's making these pancakes, cause Hey, it's a cake. I don't even need a topping on it. So good. But Hey, can I pat, can I pat myself on the back? Was that tonight? you? That's like, I'm terrible in the kitchen. I'm on like iteration 12 on my pancakes. And I'm finally like there, I've got my Blackstone griddle. I finally got the right, Holy you know, crap. yeah, dude. Sunday pancakes with the family is like, it's the one thing I can manage on the grill. Uh, uh, excuse me, on the griddle now. So yeah. Don't griddle. Oh, dude, you gotta get one. Dude, what is uh, this? This podcast can't. is now sponsored by Blackstone. <laughs> yeah. Get your griddle there, today. It, it is the best. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm your 12th I'm, iteration. Yeah. I've tried, you know, the damn, you think it's just put water in like whatever it says on the box, but I'm way off of the box recipe, way off the different ways that I'm greasing the griddle so that I can get the right fluffiness, way off the different heat settings. I mean, dude, I got the gun. 
I got the infrared gun to test the the heat on the griddle so I can get it just to the right temperature that I want. Before my... putting the mix on top of it? Y you got it. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. So What's your number one pancake tip nestled here in this podcast? 100% the, uh, um, the temperature of the griddle. Don't go light on your butter. Go looser than they recommend. So I, I'm way more water uh, than uh, what the actual uh, batter says to, you know, water to, to uh, uh, mix ratio. Uh, go heavy on the butter. Uh, and it's not going to make your, you know, it's not going to absorb too much. You just want uh, a nice glide on your surface so that there's no stickiness and then the, the right temperature. Um, so yeah, right. And go small, go small, big pancakes, difficult. Yeah. Those little waller really tasty. Yeah. Is, isn't it just amazing when you flip that thing over and you see that, like, that, that yellow, with that little, little brown on it. You're like, oh I nailed God. that one. That is, yeah. I nailed it. I can't believe we're going here on this podcast, but yeah, but it's so true. Like, yeah, I think you were going down a path and I don't even know if you got there of like, he liked it so much. It tastes great. Why change it? You know? And, but you, know, you try something, you're like, oh, we yeah. can make this just 1% better. I think there's a book on that 1% better. And that's all we're trying to do at most of our, uh, uh, different, uh, lines in our business is just, can we get 1% better, better? Yeah. You know, just tweak something, switch something to get a little bit better today. Well, I think it's, you know, not necessarily just always accepting things. I mean, you don't want to be cynical, but I think the, the point here with the pancakes and Blockbuster too, is that if it's working now, it doesn't mean you should just settle, you know? Yeah. Like you're in your, I'm sure iteration three was probably tasty, you know? Um, so, but you've really taken it to the, to the next level, by the way, vanilla, vanilla flavoring. Yay. Nay. Uh, I have never tried that. Oh, I've never tried that. To swap recipes. There we go. No, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the, the list I've written down was, you know, having the smart people around you, slowing it down, um, just enough, right? Like just enough, but then not to, not to prevent you from doing it, but to be intentional about what maybe the results you want out of it are, which is the third thing, which is that KPIs have some KPIs, even if you have to you know, finger in the air, figure it out, have something you're marching toward. Totally. Yeah. You got, you got to have some direction and you got to measure, you know, um, I, I, again, it's, it's easy to speak to this things as I've failed at them so many times, but sure. trying to do it without the measurements in place is just, you know, recipe for disaster. Yeah. hundred percent killer, man. Well, Hey, a yeah. couple other questions I want to ask you. One was sure. just the, the idea that, you know, when you are that, that leader, it can be very isolating. And are there any resources, any communities that you look to, to stay connected to other leaders and to, to other ideas that maybe could challenge what you want to try next? Um, what kind of resources and groups have you found have been really helpful for you? A bunch of different resources here. I mean, I think the first one is you've got to find something within your industry. Um, some sort of a mastermind, you know, I think most industries have a national convention or something, but try and surround yourself with the best of the best within your industry. Um, and hopefully those that are open-minded and willing to share some ideas. Um, so industry specific for sure. Um, and then I gotta, gotta put the EO plug out there. Uh, I was very well connected. You know, most of my businesses are in the real estate space. So I felt like I was very well connected within the real estate space, but pretty weak, um, just around entrepreneurs. And I think that's kind of the uniqueness. I, I think there is 
it, it, we're different people for sure. Um, the makeup of your typical entrepreneur is just a little off probably. Um, and I think we can go down a rabbit hole sometimes like, you know, iterations of a pancake. If that's a common thing that we're just trying to perfect, trying to push the envelope a little bit. So to put yourself in a room where you can just cut to the chase and just talk business and talk about these things has just been, um, unbelievable for me. I'm uh, really enjoying my time so far, um, to just get around people like that. So I can't say enough about the EO community, you know, and it's been a short time for me, but already I can just tell, you know, and it's different to be around, uh, the real estate space where at this point I kind of get the joke. I know what the things are. I'm trying the 1%, but now you put yourself around some other industries and you go, Hey, can I take that out of health insurance or education or insurance or, uh, and bring it back into real estate? Is there a way that we can take that thought, that idea, that technology, bring it over to our space? That's, you know, the beauty of getting around these, these other entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, they have, may have a com completely different recipe, you know, they're coming at it from, they're like, oh yeah, I do my pancakes, you know, in, in a air fryer or something. And you're like, I had never thought of that. And then you may jump, do a little lateral jump, another five, 10%, you know, as opposed to those small little increments, everyone else in the same industry is doing the same thing, but just hearing someone else trying something new may just inspire you to, to bring that. And maybe nobody else has the, you know, the bravery or even just the insanity enough to try that in, in your industry, but maybe you do. Yes. And I think, you know, you just kind of hit it the nail on the head there where you get around these people and maybe they've been trying to figure something out for a decade. And like, you just sit down at lunch and they spill the beans and you're like, well, all right, that just saved me 10 years. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, with these authors and these books, you know, the people that aren't willing to read, you're like, man, this guy dedicated three decades of his life to leadership and it's in a 150 page book for 20 bucks. You might want to read that one, you know? Um, so uh, that is where I think it kind of clicked as, as I started to get, um, pretty consistent with my reading that I'm like, man, these guys have just dedicated so much time to a specific topic and to get it. It's the, these cliff notes of 150 pages, 200 pages. You're like, dang, this is good stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, back to your earlier point, um, I've often heard like, don't copy your competition, you know, because they're probably copying you or someone else that, you know, maybe they help inform you a little bit, but you know, you may copy someone in a completely different industry and you're now you're unique. You're not even a competition anymore. You're just, yep. you're, you know, revolutionizing everything. Yeah. I question for you though. I've gotten kind of cynical on books. I think I've, I've read enough bad ones like sales dogs where. Yeah. You compare sales reps to types of dogs and you're just like, what the hell am I reading? This is terrible. Terrible. Okay. But like, there's good, I know my book is full of amazing information and I chopped it from 45,000 words to 35 and I put so much of my life into it. it wasn't even three years per se, maybe it was, but yeah. So there's good ones, there's bad ones. How, how do you personally find the good ones? Or are you just iterating like we just talked about? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm typically looking for somebody else. I'm a big reviews guy. So I, you know, before I'm going to go down a pipe, I'm going to talk to a couple of people, um, see what their thoughts are. Definitely read online reviews and stuff. 
Um, so yeah, I'm not typically just picking a book. Somebody's coming to me, somebody that I trust in a specific industry and saying, Hey, so that's, that's more in my reading now is it's going to have to be via recommendation from somebody that I trust. God, you know, that's, that's brilliant. Um, I can totally use that. Like in terms of takeaways that we can get from this podcast is I need, I could be more intentional about listening for those social signals when someone drops me a book. And sometimes I've heard that book three times and I keep writing it down. And it's like, those are those signals to me saying like, Hey, dummy, <laughs> go, re go. This is something worth reading. You keep hearing about it. It keeps coming up in conversation. This is, this is past that initial test. No one's saying that about sales dogs. Sorry, yeah. sales dogs. <laughs> right, right. But, but some of these other books, they are, they're getting your attention. Uh, that your people you trust are your filters. I mean, I use that on social media, so why not use it for books too? It makes total sense. You got to get it on the uh, question list, man. The question people list. On the, yeah, they got to ask, hey, what if you could recommend one book, what would it be? I love that, man. I, I was actually yeah. just going to ask you that question, but you're yeah. right. I should, I should actually add that to the show. So I'll make a Maybe. note that, you know, it would be great to just ask these different entrepreneurs, different, you know, Boston area business leaders, What's that one book? So if I were to ask yeah. you, what's the one book you recommend the most? What would you say? One, one is tough. Um, Three? How many do you want? That, We're friends, uh, right? I mean, let's go. How do you want? If I had to pick one, it would probably be Darren Hardy's Compound Effect. Because I think it just applies to everything. You know, it is that the day in, day out of trying stuff and and just seeing what's going on and and just remembering like, It'll be funny when, you know, I'm in the real estate sales game and somebody else, Hey, I've been, I've been doing this for a while now and I'm not seeing the results. Well, how long's a while? I have 30 days. Well, I mean, a while <laughs> to me is like months uh, of trying something, you know, and in, in, I think that the typical, uh, example is like working out. You're just not going to see you go to the gym. Even if you went for a gym every day, super, super hard, you're going to see very little difference. You know, be like, dang, I just busted my tail for a week and I don't really see much, you know, but over the course of a year, that stuff adds up. And so I just, I just love that concept. No matter what you're trying to accomplish in life, um, is just, just build just every day, just a little bit better at whatever you're trying to do. Well, you know, a lot of times I think entrepreneurs were all over the place and being consistent and persistent with something can be a challenge. Did, did this help you with that? Or you're already kind of good with being consistent, persistent. This just you know, reaffirmed it. No, I think, um, I think this reaffirmed it. Um, and I don't know where it was in my coaching career that just nighttime routine and morning routine are so critical. So though I, I work really, really hard on both of those things. Um, so routine for me is, you know, the, the, the day can get away from you, but you've got control of your night for the most part. And you definitely have control of that morning. So making sure that those two things are in place. I, th I think the nighttime routine just sets you up for the morning, right? If you can get to bed at the same time, you can, you know, cool the body down, um, get a great night's rest, recover and be ready to get after it the next morning. And you're intentional about that. Do you have a particular system or a book that you've used like Miracle Morning or anything like that? I love Miracle Morning. Um, I, I, my, you know, my nighttime routine is just put the bed, the kids to bed and then don't go back downstairs. You know, when I go back downstairs, that's a turn the TV on. It's, you know, it, it doesn't typically lead into anything good. So it's, you know, uh, so I'm an early to bed, early to rise guy. So, you know, my kids are in bed for eight 30 and the ideal night for me is transition, you know, uh, 
get ready for bed and then just read, ideally not on a digital, um, device. You know, we, I do have a pair of, uh, blue blocker type of, um, the, the blue light blocking glasses that if I'm going to be on a, on a device, um, yeah. And then I'm trying to be lights out by nine fifteen. Mm. Um, so that, that routine, you know, I, I've tried the meditation stuff for me. It just doesn't work. I hope at some point in my life I get there. Um, but you know, just getting the electronics off, getting a bed at a, at a reasonable time at the same time, um, works for me. That's interesting. You know, I'm similar on the meditation side though. I have had some success with, you know, the Peloton app When you're not on the bike. You can just, there's like classes, maybe like a thousand meditate, like guided meditations, like a five minute sleep one or a 10 minute sleep one where you just listen to this person, be all chill and then yeah. you just can't help, but be like, all right, I'll, I'll yeah. listen to your inhale, exhale thing. And then you forget what you're up to and then you're asleep, you know? I had the only thing that's worked for me would be the guided meditation and not so much like breathe in, breathe out of just, but there's some that's just very calm with the calm music and some sort of a concept, how to deal with stress, how to deal with a top relationship at work, how to, but it's, it's meditative at the same time. You know, it's done in a manner that there's a little bit of knowledge gained, uh, and it's trying to get you into that resting state. So, yeah. Yep. Do you, is there an app you use for that or? Oh. UVC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got the uh, British guy or the Australian guy. Can you, can you handle him? <laughs> so the, the different, for, for whatever reason, the different voices do, um, affect me quite a bit actually. And so <laughs> those, those don't do it for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there, there are, I don't, there's a, a female's voice on there it's, and, and she's got a couple of different series and that does that actually work. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's each your own, right? You got to pick the yeah. one that that doesn't catch your, like, I just remember we did that, some guided one and some EO event and the yeah. British guy comes on, all right, you know, now you got to focus. All right, you know, breathe in. And I'm just like focusing on him, Top King. And I couldn't do it, but okay. Do you have any, what's your morning routine look like? The morning routine is, uh, uh, one of my, my latest tricks, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to my wife is on the water consumption. So. I do try and, um, you know, get three 32 ounces down in a day. Um, but I love my morning coffee. And so now it's been, I can't have my coffee until I get that first 32 ounces down. Um, so morning routine is, uh, up, up as early as possible. So, you know, I don't know, five, five thirty, no alarm, just kind of let my body end uh, sleep at the end of a sleep cycle, try and get that water uh, in get my, uh, exercise in, we actually, for our, our organization, we do a, uh, 30 minute, um, call every morning where we just kind of, um, we have different topics. So we might talk sales one day, we might talk leadership, we might talk culture, and then we open it up for like a real estate, uh, round table. So just ask your real estate questions and anybody in the yard can jump on. It's just kind of get your day started the right way. Um, after that it's breakfast with the, uh, the family and then it's, um, get ready, uh, for our day. So, and then, and then I'm, you know, usually out the door, bringing the kids to, uh, to school for eight 15 at the office for eight 30 to eight 45. That's my morning. Like clockwork. Clockwork for me. It's not pancakes every day though, right? <laughs> no, that's Sundays only. Sundays. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my other specialties are, uh, toast with a uh, peanut butter and a couple of slices of banana. Got that down. Smart. Uh, oatmeal I've got down. Yeah. And then smoothies. 
I'll give you a little hint for those yeah. that listening that have little kids. Uh, I've got a health and fitness guru that, uh, that I coach with. And he, he gave me this one. You take a smoothie and you, you short the, uh, the liquid. Um, so figure out whatever smoothie that you, you know, it's got a nice nutrient balance in there, short it on the liquid, make it super, super thick. It's basically like ice cream. Um, so we use these, um, for our breakfasts, uh, you know, probably two days out of the week, they'll, they'll have that. And we make enough pancakes on Sunday that that's a leftover day one day. Nice. So, yeah. So you get a couple of these ice cream bowls. Um, so, you know. When you get to tell your kids they get to have ice cream for breakfast, that goes over much better. So we used to be a seven day a week, uh, a cereal family for those kids, you know, was, and I just was like, Hey, we can do better than this. And so it's, it's the pancakes, it's egg and cheeses, it's peanut butter and toast and banana. It's these smoothies that are turning into ice cream. So just feel like it, and it's time with your kids. So it's, yeah. it's been pretty, pretty cool for me. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. I had tons of takeaways from this one. Hey, yeah, I'd love to shift a little bit. And, and, you know, I, I've had a chance to, to get to know you lately, um, in EO and in the forum, but I, my next question is really, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Take me back in time. Like little Steve days, did you know that you were going to grow up and, and be a realtor properties, you know, serial entrepreneur, all that kind of stuff? No, no, totally did not. You know, I, I, um, my dad's an Im immigrant. So, um, I think that's part of how school got ingrained, uh, in me. So my dad came over when he was 15, couldn't speak the language and from where, uh, Greece. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Or from the island of Crete. Um, and so there was just hard work was just drilled into me. Um, and you know, he, he was a hard worker, but somehow always found time to be at our stuff as kids. You know, I was the kid playing all kinds of sports, all kinds of extracurricular activities. Um, looking back, I was also the kid that bought the pack of bubble yum, got bubble gum, uh, you know, for whatever, 25 cents and sold each piece for 10 cents and made the quarter. That was totally me. Um, so definitely had entrepreneurial tendencies. Um, but yeah, I had no idea really. I think when you come down that path, like, you know, doctor, lawyer, those types of things were, were probably just what you were thinking. Um, and so I was down that path. I had an incident with my leg with, uh, in the Shriners hospital when I was young. So that pushed me more down the, the medical field, went to school, um, as a pre-med student. And then I played, um, college soccer along with the pre-med. So that kind of, um, it just burned me out. I think it, between all the practices and all the labs and all of that stuff, I just wanted to take a break from schooling. And I figured, Hey, if I really want this doctor thing, it'll still be in me in a couple of years. Let's go test the waters a little bit. And it just wasn't in me. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like I got a couple of opportunities business wise and, um, yeah, I started making really good money as, as a young 20 something and was still living at home for a good piece of it. So saving and started to invest in real estate and, um, broker kind of said, Hey, if you're going to keep buying like this, you should just get your license and do your own deals. So I, I did that. Um, and I think that was a pretty critical point in my life for me. I had just started to, um, date seriously, my now wife and, um, it just, she was so supportive that, you know, we could live off of her salary if we had to. And that was what would 
allowed me, because I'm, I'm probably conservative and without that kind of support, you know, I had a nice steady job and starting your own business or getting into sales. Those are, you're taking a little bit of a risk. So to have her support to say, you know what, go do that. In worst case, we could live on, you know, what I've been able to put together for my career. That was awesome. And I knew that I had the right partner then and there. Um, and she's been like that all the way through, which is just huge because I've had a, a bunch of different iterations and in, in companies and each one comes with its own challenges and its own risks. And to know that, you know what, we were never going to not have a roof over our head or, or food to eat. Um, always had health benefits, you know, so she's been the rock the whole time. And, uh, I feel super grateful to, to have that person in my life. Man, that's huge. And then just to have that partner in crime to be able to help you, you know, focus on taking the risk, you know, cause I feel like, you know, if you don't take those risks, then you often don't get those kind of rewards that you're seeking. Um, pretty amazing. Do you, do you have any recommendations? Uh, I know, you know, it's like asking you, Elon Musk to build a rocket, but talking about re real estate and just like the, the biggest things you see people doing, you know, doing wrong. And we have a lot of business owners listening who maybe they have that capital now and they're thinking, Ooh, that, that real estate thing, I keep hearing about it. I want to go after it. Are there certain mistakes that you see noobs make, you know, first time in and you're just pulling the trigger at the wrong thing? I think everybody thinks it's sexy to go buy an investment property, right? They're going to go buy a three or four unit building and they're going to be a landlord and they're going to, you know, somebody else is going to pay the mortgage. I, I just, if you're going to live in one, you know, you're going to get a duplex and you're going to live in one side and it's right there and you can manage it like you're right there. But after that, you start to get like, there's this kind of in between where you, you own like four units or eight units. And that's tough. Like if you're going to do real estate, I feel like you got to kind of go all in just having a couple. It's tough. I think there's better ways to do it. If you want to invest in real estate with all the different funds that are out there. I mean, there's a, there's a new company out there, uh, that that's pushing, I think it's called the Picasso. I think you can buy one eighth of a nice property. Right. And they manage it for you. You could use it a little bit. Cause I think that's another thing people think they're going to buy like these vacation rentals and they're going to do Airbnb. It's just, it, it becomes another business. And if you don't have the time to put in it, I think you're going to get burned. It's not going to be as easy as you think. So if you want to go in, it's, it's a, you know, you can do very, very well in real estate. I'm, I'm not saying don't invest in real estate. I'm just saying, don't kind of dip your toes. Like have a plan that I'm going to go for this, you know, I'm going to build a portfolio and I'm going to manage it, and et cetera. Like otherwise, that. you know, otherwise get into the funds or get into these, you know, where there's no management, you're just investing just like you'd invest in the stock market. So you, if you like real estate and you want to invest in real estate, do it that way. It's passive. You know, once you own a property, that is most people, when we sell them a house, they struggle with home ownership. Now you're going to try and manage a property that you're not there 24 seven. It's tough, you know, and, and it seems like the contractor world, it's, it's more and more difficult every day that goes by to get somebody to, you know, show up when they say they're going to show up and you need somebody quick and you got a big problem at your property. So there's a lot of headaches for sure. That's, that's sound advice, right? It's like warning this is, it's not just some, you know, merit badge to add to your sash. There's, there's a commitment to this and. And dabbling, I think it sounds like, you know, go, go in and, or don't, but realize that, yeah, it is a whole nother business, a whole nother expertise. And you may be great at IT or whatever your original company is, but this is a whole new industry. 
So yeah. I'm going to have you take your bumps, you know, so do it at scale or, or you know, align with people that, that know it already. Yeah. I think that's great uh, advice is the dabbling thing is I think where people can get caught. Yeah. Or trying to time, I guess trying to time the market, you know, Hey, do you think this is a good time to buy real estate? Uh, nobody knows those answers. And I'm not talking about whether it's now or 12 months from now or 12 months ago, like you just, nobody knows, you know? So if you're playing real estate, you got to be playing real estate for the long haul. Yeah. You know, that, that's how you're going to do all the real estate is long-term investment. Yeah. Not, you know, not trying to day trade property. No, <laughs> no, no, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I really can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally. So I have another, uh, question for you, more of a hypothetical because I may or may not have a time machine up here in Nashua. And let's say you come on up one afternoon, we get some beers, go in the backyard, take the tarp off the time machine. You get to use this thing and it takes yep. you back in time, uh, but it's a peculiar kind of machine because it goes back to one particular time, which is a few days after that undergrad, a few days after that medical degree, you know, and you get to talk to yourself and it's not like back to the future. You can actually interact with yourself and you won't blow up the timeline. What kind of advice would you give yourself? What kind of things would you say to yourself knowing everything you've been through? Yeah. I think that would have taken, you know, and I, I talked about this as a, um, as a strength or something that I think helped me in business was that I had that rock in my wife that, that I knew I had a support system. I think I would have just taken advantage of that a little bit more. Even I think I, I could have taken some, uh, a few more risks a little earlier on that I would, I would have cut to the chase a little bit quicker. You know, I'm there now. I feel very confident in trying different things and, and, you know, investing in certain areas and seeing how it goes and understanding that again, it's the long game. You know, we, we've got a few different, uh, ancillary businesses that, uh, that I'm a partner in. And I, I think, um, sometimes people are expecting these things to succeed very, very quickly. You know, I, I was reading, um, I think it was uh, Vern's uh, scaling up book uh, mm -hmm. on my way back from my last trip. And it, it talked about like 10 years into it, Starbucks had like a hundred locations, but then it grew to like over the next few years, it went from like a hundred to a thousand, you know, it's, but it took 10 years to just get to a hundred locations. Um, so it's just, it's like the, just patience, you know, um, I think it would be an, another thing that I'd be reflecting on it and saying, Hey, like nothing's happening overnight. None, these overnight sensations are not overnight sensations. There's a great Pat podcast called how I built this. And you get to listen to all of these, uh, entrepreneurs and these are big time, you know, this is Instagram, Snapchat, Starbucks, you know, you listen to these entrepreneurs talk about building the business and you realize, you know, Instagram, I thought was like a five year kind of overnight thing. It was, it was like, yeah, it was like 14, 15 years before that really started to catch on. So it's, it's crazy. They kind of a few breaks, like the iPhone comes out and the camera's built in and, you know, you got to catch a couple of breaks too, while you're churning and trying, you know, you got the timing's got to be right. So yeah, I think those are some of the things that I, I'd probably be telling myself that like patience and take some risks again, make the mistakes. Don't worry about it. I was so nervous early on to make mistakes. Uh, and again, I think it was school. Like I didn't fail it, you know, 
up to that point, what are you failing at? Like maybe we lost the sporting event, but first grades were concerned. Like it was always pretty good. And I feel like I'm on this path. And then you get into the real world and you're like, well, really, well, that really applies anymore. The market's the market, right? And it doesn't matter who your parents are. Or, I mean, maybe it matters a little bit, but you know, like the market's going to reward a good idea and, it, and it's, and it's going to, you know, hinder the bad ones. So like, yeah. you got to keep trying. Man, that is, that's awesome advice. Would you listen to yourself? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. If I live okay, I'm stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> shake, shake yourself by the shoulders. Well, man, this is fantastic. If people want to connect with you, um, reach out and, you know, even just connect or even, you know, you know, something to do with real estate or any of these things, what kind of platform should they reach out onto? What, what kind of way should they contact you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just my name on everything, which is Steven Rovithis. So that's Steven Rovithis on Insta, Steven Rovithis on Facebook. Those are probably the easiest ways. Um, yeah, I, I would say reach out to me on, on, uh, on the social platforms and, and send me a message there. And, um, you know, I, I would, the one thing, if, if you're listening and you really got questions about the space or whatever, uh, I am like an open book. I'm really willing to, to talk to, um, give somebody, you know, look, it's not going to be an hour, but 15 minutes to just, I I've been so helped over the years by people who had no, it, like no vested interest in steeper with this, who have taken time out of their day, um, to share something, an idea, a, a tip, a trick or whatever that I benefited from that. I I'm always trying to give back, um, to those that are trying to seek knowledge. So I'm happy to take a little bit of time. Um, to talk to those people, especially if you're listening to a podcast like this, you're, you're in the right area and realm and you're trying to do the right things. Absolutely. And it looks like you've got the, the Roe v. Homes, any.com. Yep. Yep. And also that's you have a real estate school. We do. We do. So you, you really sold us in the real estate school by telling us to watch out and stay out of it. No, but so like, that's, that's the kind of education you want to hear from people. Not just like, oh yeah, you'll be fine. Throw down your 401k. You'll, you'll be fine. No, you want like, Hey, don't be serious. If you're going to get into this thing. That's it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Brilliant dude. This was fun. I, I love doing stuff like this. I, um, you know, it's, it's just nice to reflect back. You know, you did some, some interesting questions there to open things up and it's nice to just think back about the, the different stuff that we've been able to accomplish and why, you know, so reflecting back, I think, you know, I'll leave you with that one. It's, it's something that I need to do better on is, is the journaling and the writing stuff down to just reflect. There's a lot to be learned from, from your own stuff of just taking that five minutes to, to journal and jot stuff down. It's, it's something I'm trying to do. Um, and when you do it, when you do something like this and you realize, Hey, you know what? You, you can almost learn yourself out of doing stuff like this. So. Yeah. It's amazing what you got in there. And sometimes teaching other people that stuff reminds you, Hey, I, oh, yeah. you, somebody asked me about networking and I was like, ah, what do I know about networking? And I was like, well, don't do this and do this and don't do this. And it's like, Oh shit. I have a whole book on networking in my brain that I hadn't even thought about until awesome. someone had no idea and wanted some help, you know? So it's amazing. Dude, this has but, been fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely. And for those people listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer -peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.